everyone, and welcome to the Playmakers Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Elwood, and joining me on today's show is Michelle Beisner-Buck. Michelle works for ESPN as an NFL Features reporter with her stories airing on Monday Night Countdown. She prides herself on getting big interviews and doing memorable storytelling and has worked on notable pieces like the Seattle Seahawks touchdown dances a couple weeks ago, as well as her emotional story in 2017 on Bill Johnston, who was the Chargers' former director of public relations, and his wife Ramona, who battled Huntington's disease before passing earlier this year. I'll talk with Michelle about what the key to good storytelling is, her career path, and how she balances her personal life of being married to Fox Sports' Joe Buck while raising twin boys with her professional life. So now let's welcome in Michelle Beisner-Buck, presented by Mercury Insurance. Okay, let's say hello to Michelle Beisner-Buck. Michelle, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? I am good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. So you currently work for ESPN doing features for Monday Night Countdown, but take us a little bit behind the curtain. How do those feature stories kind of come to life? Well, it's, it's, we've got a really good features department and features team, uh, and it's really a year-round effort by everyone. I mean, we are constantly pitching stories. Um, the problem, the trick, the trick with this is that we try to find as many evergreen stories as we can, but, you know, that becomes tricky because you find a great story. Let's say about JJ Watt's a great example. We did an incredible story on JJ Watt a couple years ago and his involvement um, with a softball player and, and how he impacted her life. And then JJ got hurt Mm -hmm. right before it was going to air. We still aired it, but there are situations like that. This is actually even a better example I am in Minnesota right now as we speak, and today I was supposed to be ice fishing with Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin went out of the game with a shoulder injury on Sunday, and so our shoot was canceled, and on Sunday night, myself, my producer, we were scrambling trying to find a way to pivot into Mm -hmm. another story with the Vikings or with Green Bay on now what is a very short week from, you know, kind of the initial stages of a future process to execution. So we we luckily, we found a good pivot. I'm in Minnesota. We're doing a different feature story tomorrow. But it's things like that where we're constantly reading, um, you know, daily clips or national publications. We're constantly talking to PR departments to kind of get different stories in the locker room. But those things, I mean, it becomes very fluid due to injury, due to trades, et cetera. I think that's one thing, too, that's so interesting because you obviously think of live reporting, take a sideline reporter, for instance, of having to be fluid within a game situation. But even with something like features, I don't think off the top of your head you think, oh, hello, things might actually arise with how much planning that you guys have to do so far in advance for those. Yeah, it really, you know, and I think, I mean, for me, I really want ownership of my pieces from start to finish. So from initial conceptual ideas to pitching them to booking interviews to peeling back layers and doing the storyboards to researching and writing questions, the interviews, obviously, then, and then going through, coming through the transcript and condensing them into what are what's kind of the best of sound bites in these interviews that I mean sometimes we'll sit with players or the subject matter of whatever story we're doing for hours I mean literally we can sit with someone for three hours and we have to condense that down to a five minute feature that's a it's, it's a tough task to turn around uh, but we've got an incredible like I said an incredible features department 
we have great people that I collaborate with and, you know, I, it's, I'm really lucky that way, but, um, I really want to have my hands in, in all of it. I want to be part of the editing process. I, and then I want to be at the game and I want to lead into it and I want to come out of it and I want to tag out of it. Um, it's important to me because I really care about my work. What makes for good storytelling? I've been asked this question a lot. And I, I really think for me to tell a good story, first and foremost, it starts with me. I have to be accountable and responsible and completely invested in my work and the person that I'm sitting with. And whether it is the a lighthearted, feel-good story or a very kind of, you know, tear-jerking, grab some tissues, a box of tissues, and you're crying through this story, kind of a feature, you have to, you have to that person that you are interviewing has to be the most imp- important person you've ever sat with. You have to make them feel that way. You have to be committed from start to finish to making sure that you are invested in allowing them to tell their best story. And if you, if, if I'm doing that on my, at my end, you know, nine times out of 10, we're going to get a good product at the end of it. Um, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, but, you know, I mean, sometimes you get people that are a bit introverted and shy and just don't have a lot to say. They may have a great story, but it's hard for them to articulate it or to really emote those feelings. And so you have to kind of work your way around that situation and get creative. But I really think it starts with me and and really the investment that I make into these people. So when you mentioned those kind of grab your tissues types of stories, back in 2017, you did a really emotional piece on Bill Johnston, who was the Chargers' former PR director and his wife, Ramona, who is battling Huntington's disease. When you have a piece like that, what's the key sort of to conveying it to viewers? I have the utmost respect for Bill Johnston and his family and everything that they have gone through and how selfless of a human being he is in the way that he has taken care of his wife over the years and made his family the priority over everything. And, you know, I think there's, it's a level of trust. Mm -hmm. He, Bill is not the kind of person that wants to, doesn't want to be in the spotlight. That's not what his goal is. And you know him well, that's not the kind of person he is. But if he, he trusted me enough to know that we were telling this story to help another family who's going through the same thing. And once that trust is built with a person and the purpose is, is laid out so that everyone is on the same page, then you get the kind of access that you need to tell a really personal piece like we did with Ramona and Bill Johnson. And it was, I mean, we got access. We had cameras in in the hospital room where she where she stayed in the in the in the wee hours of the morning, in the most intimate and private moments that he shares with her. He allowed us to be a part of that. That that doesn't happen unless you've got a good rapport and and a, and established trust. And that's why we were able to tell a good story there. That's why we're able to do it with so many other people. You've got people have to be able to trust you. That's also one of those amazing things about sports that you think about sort of just what happens on the field, but there's so much life off of it. And really, you can tell those stories that honestly just transcend topics. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the greatest thing. Everybody, 
what I love so much, I mean, I love so many things about my job and my career and, and this path that I've been on, but I think it's really great to be able to take the helmet off, get rid of the uniform and see a person standing in front of you. And you get to humanize this kind of this layer that seems very untouchable, right? And and you get to you get to actually humanize and make this person's struggles and his triumphs and his adversity real. And that becomes when you can do that successfully, then it's relatable. And all of a sudden, you know, Bill Johnson or Tyler Lockett or JJ Watt or whoever it may be has a fan base that he never had before because now he's just he's just a human that is going through something that is dedicated to something that has a passion for something that has been affected by someone. And so that's what's really cool, you know. I mean, these guys to a lot of people aren't reachable mm-hmm. and we make it we make it possible for for the viewer to get to know them on a different level. So you've worked as a field reporter, you've done and still do hosting work, but when you kind of look back at your whole career, how has each job sort of worked off one another to make you such a well-rounded reporter? Well, when I was at NFL Network before I came to ESPN, I mean, I was a utility player. And I am so, as scary as it was for me at times, because sometimes, I, you know, it was like sink or swim, right? Yeah. I mean, it was survival. You just, you figured it out or you didn't they would throw me into situations that I really wasn't familiar with. You know, when I, I remember the first time that I had to rip through highlights and I I was terrible (laughs) and it was on live television, but you have to do it. And then you do it again. I mean, repetition is key. I'm so grateful. I think that um, part of that, you know, it's just like being fearless and just going, okay, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to figure it out. And you know, from studio hosting to being a field reporter and just being on camera every hour at the top of the hour and giving 60 second live reports and now transitioning into this long format essay style feature reporting. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know that one, I think that it's all just helped me because, you know, each skill, each skill has a way of creeping into the other, to the other role, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, I'm, I feel, I feel lucky. I feel really blessed that I was sometimes in a position where I felt like I was going to sink instead of swim. (laughs) And I somehow always stayed above water. We'll get back to our conversation with Michelle in a few, but we wanted to remind you that you won't miss a minute of the action with the official Los Angeles Chargers app. Follow real-time stats, watch your favorite Bolts programming, and live local Chargers games all season long. Download today at chargers.com slash app. Geographic and device restrictions apply. Local and primetime games only. Data charges may apply. Chargers fans, we know you love the Bolts, but you probably also love saving money too. And Mercury Insurance can help with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com and go Chargers. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance Rate Comparison Profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Now let's get back to the interview with Michelle Beisner-Buck, presented by Mercury Insurance. 
So I love this next topic because I grew up dancing. I worked at a dance studio for 11 years, but you were a former NFL cheerleader with the Broncos for six seasons. Were you always into football or how did maybe literally just being on the sidelines every Sunday sort of cultivate that passion and knowledge for the game? So I was, I was a dancer from the time I could put shoes on. (laughs) Three years old, I had ballet shoes on or tap shoes on. And that was my life. Oh, tap, jazz, LA. I mean, all of it, you know, modern hip hop, lyrical, whatever. I mean, that was my life, my passion. My family's passion was the Denver Broncos. And so we, we were at, I I mean, I was a huge Broncos fan from the time that I was a very, very young girl. And we went to games and Sundays were a big deal in our house. Um, So when I turned 18 at that point, now you have to be 21 years old to audition to be an NFL cheerleader. And I think that's an, I think that's a league rule now, but when I was <laughs> back in 1997, <laughs> back that in the was day. You, back in the day, you only had to be 18 years old. So I auditioned. Actually, the first year that I auditioned, I did not make the team. I made the finals, but I did not make the okay. team. And um, and then I went back the next year, and I did, and and I had an incredible ride. My first year with the team was when the Broncos went to and won Super Bowl 32 and then they went back and they, you know, won back-to-back Super Bowls and it was just an incredible ride. It was the Pro Bowl representative in 1999 and a captain for five of the six years that I was with the team. It was just, I mean, I, I could not have had a better experience as an NFL cheerleader. And I knew, so while I was, so I was 19 years old, 19 and then 20 when I, in my first season with the Broncos cheerleaders and I was going to school, I was in college, I was going to school for mass communications, the college that I went to, Metro State and CU Denver, they didn't have a journalism degree. So I was majoring in mass communications with an emphasis in journalism and a minor in theater. I knew that I wanted to do something in sports and entertainment. I always knew that from the time I was a little girl. I was either going to be dancing on Broadway or acting, or I was going to be on the sidelines. And at that, I remember when I was, when I was cheering, Melissa Stark was the, um, the sideline reporter for Monday night. And I, I just remember looking at her going, that is my gig. Like that's, that is what I want to do. And it was always, you know, and I just really started to, um, take advantage of my the the resources around me. Mm-hmm. I started talking to as many people as I could within the organization. I wanted to learn more about in-house TV production. I wanted to interview players and my <clears throat> my determination, my curiosity, my commitment and dedication to what I knew that I wanted to do led me I think my first gig was at Fox Sports Net Rocky Mountain Region as a Broncos feature reporter like tiny little mini features on the Broncos show and and it just kind of you know like everything I I was never a no person never mm-hmm. I took advantage of every opportunity that that came my way um from like you know I I did I was a hit reporter for the Champ Car World Series which I never thought I would have done uh which I really literally just fell into um I, mean, I didn't literally like fall into a car or anything, <laughs> like, but <laughs> figuratively, but, I mean, I, but <laughs> right, 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 exactly. You got me. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I seized every opportunity and one thing led to another and I moved out to LA. I knew I was either going to be the local sports 
reporter or I was going to aim bigger and higher. And so I, I moved to LA and I was able to get a meeting at NFL Network. And, you know, that was, that was, that was it. It's pretty amazing. And I think, you know, we hear all the time as, as reporters, you know, it's very important to be yourself, but would you say that there is still like a performance aspect to it that maybe the kind of dance side of you kicks in before your hits on Monday night of when you have to, you know, turn it on for the camera right then and there? One million percent. I am so thankful for my dance background, for being able to stand and on a stage and perform in front of people for being able to be an NFL cheerleader and be on the sidelines and dance and perform in front of 75,000 screaming Broncos fans. There is, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for all the acting classes that I took. It is, there is definitely a performance aspect in what we do. And there is a cadence and a tone and a rhythm and a choreography to the way that you deliver a lead-in, a tag, the way you sit with someone, the way you interact, the way you ask your questions, the way you kind of navigate and dance through a feature. And, you know, variety is, I really think that this year especially, we are trying to get more of a variety of features that we do from lighthearted and fun to more serious features. And you've got to be able to know how to deliver and navigate through both of those. And for sure, I mean, you just 100% there is an aspect of being a performer in this in this job. Yeah. So you're also married to Fox Sports' Joe Buck. What is it like? Who? Joe? Yeah. <laughs> guy? What? Huh? <laughs> Who's that? Who is that? <laughs> but what is it like being part of a multi-network family? You guys are like the first family here going on of sports broadcasting. I know it's kind of fun. I mean, it's you know, I I never thought as a woman in sports, I just feel like you have got a spotlight on you, a microscope, a especially being an NFL, a former NFL cheerleader in mm-hmm. sports. There's a stereotype that follows, follows you around, so you're constantly you've got to really watch the way that you conduct yourself and how you, what you know and what you say and how you do it and who you're around. And you've got to be mindful of all of that. So I always said to myself, I will never date anyone in the same business. I just felt like it, it looked bad. I felt like it made me feel like I'm going to look like a climber, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And Joe will tell you, if he were on this phone call right now, he would agree with me. If he were in this room, he would agree. He'd be screaming right now, she's right, she's right. <laughs> he he stalked me and successfully, in, in the nicest possible way, he stalked me. And But if it had not been for his persistence mm-hmm. and just this gut feeling that he had, that there was something there that he could not walk away from, I don't know that we, well, I don't know. I mean, we probably would have ended up together because I, we really are soulmates and that is my person. And I just, it's, you know, we've been together for five and a half, six years. It feels like lifetimes. Yeah. It feels like I've known him for my entire life and a million years beyond that. I love it so much. Even though you are in the same industry, it has to make it like a little easier in that sense to have that other person understand what you're going through and vice versa, right? No doubt. We get it. You know, I mean, I think that's probably one of the greatest benefits to our relationship is that he comes home at 2 a.m. and from a game 
And, you know, I, I know that he needs to sleep the next morning until whatever. If I'm frustrated about a, the way the piece is turning out and I've got, you know, complaints, he gets it. I mean, it's just, it is a sounding board that it's a gift that keeps on giving, you know, <laughs> and, and he's always, he's always there. We are very supportive. You know, he'll, Joe, Joe Buck, the broadcaster, really doesn't make mistakes. And, but he is very hard on himself. Mm-hmm. And he will call me, we'll discuss after every game, after every lead in and feature that airs on Monday Night Football, you know, I'll call and go, oh, I could have done this better. Or he'll call and go, oh, did you hear, like, did you hear when I called that, that one play? And I mean, it's, it's amazing for, as much as he's in the spotlight, especially just how, you know, he's, I think that people think he is just so confident and is so sure of himself and nobody really is in this business, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's because it's all so subjective. We're all like, we're all insecure about it. We're all, we're all wondering if we're doing the right thing at the right time and and how it's going to affect our job. And if we screw up as our contract's going to get renewed and, it's just nice to have that person with you that gets it mm-hmm. and really understands and can talk you through it. So you guys also have two young sons. How have you found that balance between motherhood in your career? Oh, we have not found it. There <laughs> is no balance in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, girl. It just is. And, you know, you, Joe is not a spring chicken and neither am I. But he has two grown daughters. He has a 23-year-old, Natalie, who lives in New York, and a 20-year-old, Trudy, who is a sophomore at USC Film School. Mm-hmm. So for him to now start all over again at age 50, to have year-and-a-half-old twin boys, I mean, that's, that's a lot. And, you know, I mean, you've got to have, you have to have a great supporting cast around you. You've got to have family and people that you trust that really love your babies and your little humans as much as you do that are there to help you get through it because our jobs are demanding and you know I mean just not normal it's just not a nine to five gig so you've got to have people that are flexible and especially with my job during the season I don't know when I'm coming or going right so Joe's schedule is laid out he knows Mm -hmm. what games he's going to and he knows that he's leaving on a Saturday for a Sunday game or a Wednesday for a Thursday game for me I know what the Monday night matchups are but I don't know what my story is and when we're shooting so it's you've got to have really good people around that will help you get through it and thank god we do yeah Um, we really do we've got a very very fabulous little village of um of people that help. And, but I, I, I mean, I have to tell you, it's the, there is no better feeling in the world than being a mother and being a parent with your person. And I, I am so, so deeply in love with my children and with our family and the time that we get together when Joe and I are home, when I'm home and he's gone, when he's home and I'm, and I'm gone, when, when, or when we're home together, we are home. We are with, we are like glued to our children. And that's the only place that we want to be. That's all we want to do is just be with them. So Michelle, and speaking of, of women's roles in sports media, how have you seen those evolved since you started out? Um, gosh. So I 
guess I've been doing this for a long time. I just I was trying to calculate how many years I've I've been doing this. Um, you know, I you see a lot more women. You see, I think, um, I, I don't think you see the same kind of criticism as you used to. I mm-hmm. think that it's it's much more accepted. It's much more, you know, there there's more opportunity and. You know, I, I also think that the emphasis is on the total package. You know, I think that now more than ever, women are getting the credit that they deserve mm-hmm. for being in that role. Um, so that that's refreshing. That's that's good to see. And then lastly, I've asked guests this throughout the season. You mentioned a little bit being a utility player, not being a no person, but what's sort of your biggest piece of advice for those who want to get into this business? I think the best thing that any person, man or woman, can do is be focused and be versatile and make sure that you are learning everything that you can from producing to editing to sound mixing. I mean, I I, I think being kind of having a lot of those tools in your tool belt is the way to sell yourself to a network now, um, being very self-sufficient. You know, I can do it all. I can, I can write, I can edit, I can produce, I can be on live TV. It doesn't freak me out. You know, those kind of people are, that's what everyone is looking for. Um, and you've got to just got to be committed to your craft. You have to be willing to constantly learn constantly better yourself along the way. You know, you can't ever be complacent. I'm never going to be complacent in where I am. There is all, I can always be better. There will always be room for improvement. And so you have to make sure that you are always a student of your, of your skill. Well, that is all really great, really sound advice. We are so looking forward to your feature next Monday on ESPN ahead of that final Monday night game of the season, right? It is. Yep. That's it. That's it. We don't, we don't have, I know, you know, start the season and it's exactly, we start the season and go, Oh my gosh, you know, you kind of hit a point during the season where you're just exhausted and you can see the end of it. You can see the finish line, but it's still kind of, it's so far. You can't really, you know, got to squint to see it. Now we're here. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be a good game. I mean, that package of the Vikings and that's just a classic matchup. Uh, it'll be, it'll be fun. The well, future will be a good one. Tune in. Tune in. There we go. There's that tease. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. We so appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on anytime. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of Playmakers. So many thanks to Michelle Beisner-Buck for joining me. One final reminder, as always, is to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts, because we're now also on SoundCloud and Spotify. The Chargers Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things bolts directly from the team, including in-depth conversations and analysis with players, coaches, executives, national reporters and broadcasters, and much more. Be sure to rate and review, and thanks for listening. Catch you guys next time.